The views, ideas, and content of well seekers and their guests are their own opinions, and you should always seek additional professional help around any of the issues discussed here on Well Seekers. Hello and welcome to Well Seekers, where we are giving you the keys to rise, come back, and thrive in today's complicated world so that you can find and write your own story of well. Um, welcome to the show. We are deep into our series on mindfulness and whew, it has been such a powerful and incredible series. I just am blown away at the stories we've been hearing, at the information we've been getting. For those of you who um, don't know me, just an introduction if you're hopping in the series on this one. My name's Lucia. Um, I am an Emmy-nominated journalist and a licensed mental health professional. I am a lover of all things well and a definite seeker. Um, I love cutting edge uh, technology, resources, research, all of that good stuff. And I really also love to combine it with the sage advice wisdom that, that we can take with us, not only from our personal stories, but from years and years past of trials and error in the world of holistic health and wellness. Um, of course, we focus from the mind down here, so mental health, emotional health, um, but I always say your mind is in your body, so it's not mind and body, it's really just your body, um, but we're going to start at the mind and we'll get all those parts, everything in there. Uh, today's show, we are talking about something, oh, we're right in the middle of the holidays and 2022 is on the way. So people are talking resolutions and they're talking one thing. If I say holidays, um, what do you think of? I want you to take a moment. What's the first thing that pops into your mind? I would say, some people would say family. I bet if this was family feud and we had to switch one of those things, most people would say that it was food, right? Food is everywhere during the holidays. Um, since this series is on mindfulness, I felt like it was absolutely vital that we did a show on food and mindfulness and how mindfulness could be that missing piece of the puzzle. I know for me, having struggled with food, um, most people know I'm in recovery from an eating disorder, um, that mindfulness was such a big part and still is a big part of my road today with food. It's funny, when I was doing research for the show, knowing we were doing something on mindfulness and food, I looked up some of the statistics um, on eating disorders. Between eating disorders and obesity, right now in this country alone, there's about 50% of our population that is either obese or has an eating disorder, meaning anorexia or bulimia. 50%. What was also interesting <laughs> is that almost 50% of people who made New Year's resolutions in 2019, guess what the resolution was? They wanted to lose weight, right? So food, body image, it's a part of all of us, right? If you are in this culture, in this world, on social media, now more than ever, people are having struggles with, of course, body image, which we are going to actually get to this topic in 2022, but food especially. So how do we, in the midst of so many mixed messages, so many different stresses, so many fast food opportunities, right? 
how do we find our balance with food? How do we heal this relationship with food? Food today is so complex. And again, it's so complex we are dedicating our next series actually to food. Our food system is why we're, and our beliefs around food, it's why we're gonna have six, seven episodes just dedicated to this and body image and where we're at today in 2022. It's worse than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I know for myself that mindfulness, which if you go back to episode one, we defined what it, what it truly means, which is being aware in the present moment, is always a big piece of my food puzzle. If I'm not mindful, I could have a cake and not even blink, not even know I ate the cake. Not because I was even trying to numb myself, it was just because I can get lost in cake right? Like, but when I bring mindfulness into the equation, my relationship with food started to change. Um, I started to become more present with my meals, with the people around me at meals, right? The benefits of mixing mindfulness with food, uh, we could do a five hour long show on. I wanted this episode to be a bit of an introduction to it because I think for some people it is new, that concept of mixing mindfulness in with food. For some people, you may have heard it before, but you don't quite know what it means. Um, this show is going to help you figure out what it means. And our guest today, I am so excited to have on. If you listen to Insight Timer, which is one of my favorite apps, we're going to talk about it at the end of the show. Um, and I'm going to put a link below. You may have heard our guest, Stephanie Nash. Um, she is just an incredible woman with such an incredible personal story and bio and background mixing meditation and mindfulness. Um, she's been a mindfulness coach since 1999. Um, she's also an integrative counselor. She's also an actress. Um, she's just an incredible all-around woman. But she has a uh, a meditation on Insight Timer about mindfulness and food. Um, and we reached out to Stephanie and she was gracious enough to come on the show. So I feel like we should just jump into this conversation with Stephanie. Um, and we're going to talk about how you can help be more present, change your relationship with food, and quite possibly accomplish your goal for the holidays and for 2022 um, using some of the things we're going to talk about. So we'll be right back with Stephanie Nash here on Wellseekers. You're listening to Wellseekers, a show where the journey is just as important as the destination. And welcome back to Wellseekers. I am so honored to have our next guest, Stephanie Nash. Stephanie is a mindfulness body language coach and speaker who's a top expert in the unified mindfulness system used by Harvard and other top universities. Her face may also be familiar from the 30 plus years of playing moms on TV. And it was through her Yale School of Drama training as an actor that she became fascinated with the power of body, of language, and of laughter to affect how we think and feel. She teaches her work regularly at UCLA Arts and Healing. Stephanie also specializes in helping people optimize challenges, let go of stressful negative thinking and anxiety, and rewire their relationships relationship with food and eating and to help people create more ease and well-being in their lives. Stephanie Nash, thanks so much for joining us today on Well Seekers. Thank you for having me and thank you for having a Well Seekers show that you're actually 
putting information out that helps people. It's a beautiful thing to do. Yeah. I feel like in today's world, there's so much misinformation, especially around health wellness. So many people are on TikTok. I mean, who's not on TikTok, but it's not the best place to get your information about health and well-being sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. But it's out there. So um, we love having a deeper conversation with people like you, Stephanie. And your background fascinates me as someone who was an artist herself, musician, and um, was on a small label and in the world of art for years and then transitioned into similar fields. I just so admire your background. And before we get into the journey with mindfulness and food, I would love to hear a little bit more about your background and your own story about how you got involved in mindfulness and how you got to where you are today, if you don't mind sharing. Not at all. Uh, So I, as you know, I was an actress and still am. I'm still doing auditions. You know, look me up on IMDb. That's always fun. That was my thing. And then I had a kind of life crash coming out of Yale School of Drama at one point, the union's Uh, were on strike and all that, you know, the external world was not in a good way for me. And I had decided to kind of change the inside. And in the course of my work with that, and it was actually at a drama camp, this happened, I had a kind of profound experience that shifted my entire perception of everything permanently. And I didn't know what happened. I didn't hang out with spiritual people. If you said spiritual, I probably would have left the room. I was a tough New Yorker. But regardless of that, I was wide open. It's like I had no skin. My heart was open. It was loving. There was oneness, but I didn't really have coping mechanisms for dealing with living in New York City and doing the things I was doing. So I came out to California (laughs) because it's the only other place you can make a living as an actor. And about six years later, you know, I was trying to find a teacher to talk to. Like I wanted someone who had had this experience to talk to, but this was before internet. This was before we couldn't Google things. And can you remember that far back? Maybe not. And I then said, well, maybe I should meditate. And I thought meditation was like, you know, maybe you were being punished. You know, the idea of having to sit still with your eyes closed. I went, seriously? For more than five minutes? Oh my God. And I tried looking at candles and all that stuff. And I thought, this is the silliest thing in the world. And then I found uh, my teacher, Shinzen Young, who was this brilliant man who was talking in depth about our experience and what is self and world and all this. And I didn't like his meditations at first. I thought they were really too technical, but they were exactly what I needed. And they aren't too technical. I teach them now. (laughs) They changed my life. The spiritual experience gave me, you know, the stuff people often think is the goal, you know, the oneness, the light, the love, but the mindfulness and really practicing that is really where I understood the components of our sensory experience, all the different components that tell us who we are in each moment and what we're doing and how they come together and interact and how you can pull them apart or optimize each moment to reduce or eliminate suffering or to elevate satisfaction and fulfillment to really tune into your experience more. We we pay extra for HD, right? High definition. And it was almost like I had a richer experience sensorially of each moment. So mindfulness for me was my grounding 
And I'm just nutty about practical application of mindfulness. Yeah. Like people think it's about having this great meditation and, oh, the great things I can do with my eyes closed. But I think it's about making us better people, helping us be happy in our lives, giving us muscles to navigate this stressful world, like what your your topic of your your show, your program is, you know, how to help people in these circumstances. And we are certainly in some circumstances now. And so mindfulness is kind of like the optimal tool, if you will, but it's really a waking up to what our senses are, how they work and the particular mindfulness system. And, and a lot of people think mindfulness is just watching your breath. So I am talking about the specific, unique unparalleled mindfulness system developed by Shenzhen Young, where you are working with everything you see, hear, taste, smell, touch, your thoughts, your feelings, every aspect of all the components that go into your understanding of your future, your past, your goals, your problems, (laughs) who you are. And once I realized what it was, it's kind of like, I guess you could say I drank the Kool-Aid. I went... This is the work. Everything else we do in life seemed to be what you do. Like this was the thing that helped you do everything you want to do in life better and helped your actions be more effective and efficient and productive and contribute more. Absolutely. No, it sounds amazing. Anyone that wasn't a mindfulness fan, I think you've just converted. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna drink the Kool-Aid now. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And I feel like in today's world, especially all of our sensory, any sensory we have, right? Like it's hijacked. Any anything that comes in, it feels like is hijacked in some sort of way. So to get present and to get back into our senses, right? That Mm -hmm. is so key and important. Such a big topic today with food. And I feel like our short time together is not even going to do it justice, but I like how you said real practical application. We're cognizant of that here at Wellseekers and so is our audience. So in the time we do have, We love to supply people with the information that our experts can give them, right? In a limited amount of time. So knowing this is a big conversation, Stephanie, how do you feel in the world of 2021, food comes into play with mindfulness? Why do you think it's important that we talk about mindfulness in food? It's always been an issue for me. Compulsive eating with food was my coping mechanism before I knew other ways to do it. But I would say since in, if, if you're going to bring in the year 2021, I mean, people talked about 2020, like, are we going to live through this year? Yeah. And 2021 is maybe not as intense as 2020, but we're not in roses and flowers at the moment. <laughs> uh, there's still stuff going on. And in that same way, uh, food does become a coping mechanism. I remember when the lockdown happened, everyone said, can you help me? I've been locked down with my refrigerator. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're in, you're literally not leaving your home and there's only so much you can see on a screen and pretty soon your head's in the refrigerator. So, you know, what mindfulness does for me, it not only is for changing the relationship for, with food and eating, but when I do my like 12 week workshops on this topic and I call it rewire your relationship to food and eating, what it really is or a big part of it is rewiring your relationship to your body. 
and the relationship of food to your body. And, you know, when you have other compulsive behaviors like drinking or smoking, you can quit. Abstinence is an option. It's not with food. So you have to change your relationship to it. And mindfulness is is kind of the way to do it, whether it's shifting uh, your mindset in terms of how you relate with your body, whether it's as a kind partner or I turned to a man the other day who was eating something and I said, would you feed that to your child? He went, oh, no, I want my child to be healthy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I said, why are you treating your body in such an unkind way? You know, it was like, you know, he's putting stuff in there that isn't helpful. And when we start shifting our relationship to our body, and I have a lot of techniques of shifting your relationship, not just to food, but to the eating process, where it becomes more satisfying. Instead of food being the coping mechanism that contributes to our suffering, where we even have pandemic weight gain is a title now. Yeah. Opposed to that, food can become just like smelling flowers and listening to birds chirping can become this lovely quality um, addition that elevates our enjoyment of life. How do we get there with food? <laughs> how do we get to the place where when we sit down, for, how do we get to the place where we sit down for meals, right? I feel like right. even that has changed, the pace has changed. So right. knowing that the pace is usually typically nobody has time or we all have all this time, right, mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. How do we find mindfulness and make these conscious choices with our food? Well, and here's where, like I said, I teach 12-week workshops, which are about yeah. a third of it. All right. So I'll just give you some quick things here. First thing is, and I was taught this from a young age, when we had cereal as a kid, so they put the box, cereal box in front of you to read while you eat. And then I remember when TV trays came in, we used to sit around a table and eat, but then TV trays came in and everybody now sits in front of a TV and eats. And I've even had people say, well, I had to eat. My TV didn't work. (laughs) It's like, you know, we have to be looking at a screen to eat. And the first thing I would say to do is turn off the TV. I'll ramble off about five points that could just any one of them could change everything. One is we tend to overeat and we don't know how much we're eating. Mm-hmm. If you're slouched over your food, you need, if we elongate our spine and stretch up, only when we're sitting up, and I'm going to use the word straight, even though there's curves in the back of the neck, the brain does not get the message that the stomach's full if you are curved down over your food. Really? Yeah. I yeah. Didn't, And I have studied mindfulness in food for really for years. Yes. I didn't know that. There's two or three ways the brain gets information, but the main one is the stomach begins to extend out, which when you're curved over forward, the brain doesn't get that signal. That's why, you know, you get up from the table and you walk around and go, whoa, I am full. I had no idea. So a big one is stretching up. And it doesn't mean you have to sit up straight for your whole meal, but make sure during your meal at some point you sit up. Another one is breathing and relaxing. Most of us 
eat in a kind of quick, shove it in there, kind of anxious state. And by really relaxing the body, closing your eyes just for three breaths to relax the body, elongate the spine before you eat, that can help eliminate drivenness, but also the more relaxed body helps you taste things better. Uh, that'd be one, two, three, what my other two? Oh, close your eyes, close your eyes. You know, when I do public talks on eating and I'll have a group of people and I'll say, okay, what if you had two choices? One is I could give you half a million new taste buds and you would taste everything and be so much richer and satisfying. Or you could eat a whole ton of food and not remember having eaten it. When you're done, you're looking around for more. Which one would you like? And everyone goes, the first one, the first one. And I say, okay, here's how to do it. Put something in your food and close your eyes. And then suddenly you get all these new taste buds and you can actually taste the shift of food from going from solid <laughs> to liquid. And the more you taste the food, the longer the food's in your mouth, the more you taste it and let the taste be the reward and really notice the change of textures. And then you get this much more satisfying experience. After five bites, I have everyone put down the utensil, stretch up, breathe. And notice how you feel. And it's like, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I did five bites. And after five bites, people go, you know, I'm, I'm kind of satisfied. And some people get really upset by that. They go, hey, I used to eat this whole pint of ice cream. And now I only had four tablespoons and I'm satisfied. Damn it. You know? <laughs> and I'm saying, that's not a problem. <laughs> you know, and everyone said, I can't eat all the food on my plate. And I go, well, then maybe you'll put less on next time. <laughs> uh, so that's three. So I'm going to give you five. So one's going to be stretch, stretch out. One's going to be breath out. One's going to be close your eyes. One's going to be aftertaste. Every time you have a bite of food and I, everyone says, I can't do that with every bite, every Every time I eat, I say, just do it with every different food on your plate. Lift it up, first smell it. The smell is going to be different than the taste. And especially if it's something like baked goods or chocolate, the smell is sometimes the best part. Mm -hmm. Smell it first, then put it in the mouth and do that real close your eyes taste thing. Then notice the aftertaste. What taste is in your mouth after the food goes down? That is often a very different taste. And sometimes the food you didn't like as much has a better aftertaste. Mm -hmm. And if you do that for every different food on your plate, whichever one has the best aftertaste, eat that one last. And then there'll be less of a chance to go back for more food because it's about increasing satisfaction, really. Here's your fifth tip, Betty. Mm -hmm. So you've got a plate of food in front of you. And what I have everyone do I have them look down at the food and look at the colors and the volume and what's on that plate. And I say, okay, say hello. Welcome it because that food is about to become you. Mm. So welcome it wow. into the land of you. <laughs> that is powerful, Stephanie. <laughs> think about some of the things that we put in our bodies. My diet is fairly clean because I have autoimmune um, uh, so I've been forced into having it be clean, but yeah. even when I, I look back at some of the things that I've put in my body, that is powerful, right? Yeah. Cause if you stop for a second and think about, this is going to be part of me, the bag yeah. of Cheetos that I used to eat, right? <laughs> like, I actually may not want that to be a part of me. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So those, those would be, those are the first five that just came to my mind. I didn't think of those ahead of time, but you know, and I could give you probably 20 more, but those, you know, it's like we're on the quick and dirty. It's a short interview. If you do just those five, that should change things in a big way. When you close your eyes, right? And all of these methods, do you suggest doing this for a short period of time, for a long period of time? What would you say to people that are are just starting out and saying like, well, I'm not going to go to a restaurant and eat with my eyes closed? Right? Oh, good. Good question. Yeah. How do you practically do this? Everyone goes, yeah, because the problem is not only do we watch TV, but the other time we eat is social. In fact, breaking bread with someone is a social gathering and we get together to, to visit with other people. But you expect me to close my eyes and taste my food? I mean, come on. So and I can demonstrate this when we see them. But what I do is, remember I said, you have to do it once for each bite of food on the plate and make sure your first bite and your last bite are mindful bites. (laughs) I do that too. But what I do, and I kind of demonstrate this, I'm looking at someone and I'm listening to them and I'm nodding. And if I'm going to take a good bite and taste it, I'm going to do it while someone else is talking, obviously. And I'm listening to them. I'm looking, I'm nodding. I pick up the food. I smell it. I'm still nodding and listening to them. Then I put it in my mouth and I close my eyes and it's, oh, five seconds maybe 10, not a lot, but I'm really tasting it and I'm really tasting it and I'm nodding. And then I open my eyes, I'm back with them. I'm nodding. And you know what the funny thing is, having done that now for a couple of decades, everyone wants what's on my plate. Mm. Everyone, I do that. I'm listening. I'm part of the conversation. I'll come back. I'll say something funny because that's what I do. And everyone says, that looks really good. Can I try that? <laughs> I, I, I mean, and I'm not sitting here with my eyes closed going, mm, oh, you know, I'm not doing that. I'm just closing my eyes to truly taste it, to truly have the experience of it. So it's not, I've gone into a deep meditation state and now, you know, you can do it while you're with other people. You absolutely can. And it's funny, they are going to, you know, I hope you don't mind people eating off your plate. Sometimes I'll just reach over and take it. Uh, but because it, because they're not used to anyone tasting their food, they look at it and they don't even know what you're doing. They go, ah, I don't know what that is, but that looks good. I want to try that, you know, and it isn't the food. It's me being present with my food. And what's really lovely, if you do this, when you have a family and you just do this and you don't have to say anything, the kids pick it up. Hmm. The kids pick it up. That's what kids do. <laughs> yeah. Use it, use it to an advantage. <laughs> so yeah. I know you mentioned, and I know we only have a handful of minutes left. Um, so if you do want to learn more about Stephanie's program, we're going to have all of her links, all of her information um, below so that you can get in touch with her, learn about her 12 week program and learn more about what she does as well. I know you mentioned that you had your own journey with compulsive overeating. Are you willing to share just a little bit about how mindfulness helped get you out of your own struggles? Absolutely. And I know because right now, you know, I'm 
decades older than everyone, but I'm in like this really great shape. And people go, oh, you've never had an issue with food. And I said, sweetheart, I've gained and lost more weight than you and 10 people. You know, <laughs> I have to. I have to. <laughs> you know? It's like I have been there, done that many yeah. times. And I've had eating disorders. I've, I've, you, trust me, it's, it's not pretty. And by the way, I want to mention if somebody doesn't want to take a 12 week program and just wants to, on the insight timer, I've got a 12 minute guided mm-hmm a short, simple guide to eating meditation and it's free and you can just go listen to that. So I, I listen to-, to it. It's wonderful and, <laughs> and you can do it before any meal and it truly helps. So. Yeah. So that's, I just want to mention, so someone can get it right now as opposed to going, I have to commit. So my own personal journey, uh, I had a skinny, pretty mother who had three daughters and she would go out and get big cookies all the time. And of course her three daughters got quite fat. And so, you know, my issue was food. And when I was adolescent, of course, I starved myself and went into anorexic territory and gaining and losing weight uh, was always something and eating was my coping mechanism for working with emotion. And uh, when my life was good, I didn't eat as much, you know, I, I could handle, I had times where it wasn't an issue at all, but then it would just come in and you know, I knew if I was craving like a donut, I knew I was emotionally upset. I mean, I could tell what was my emotions were by what foods I was craving. And it was before I really knew about health and healing. And I did a lot of mindset things in terms of uh, before I came to mindfulness, I will say that where I started to love my body and love the fat. In fact, I started doing sculptures of women with big thighs and butt because I had, and I started just literally like embracing and loving the fat. And the more I loved it, the more it started melting away. Of course, when mindfulness came into my life, that's when I really started to work with the rewiring, the permanent rewiring. I remember uh, working with urge because that's what compulsion is. And I'd be on retreat and I'd see women lifting uh, spoonfuls of food and holding it out and looking at it for a long time and then putting it in mouth, their mouth. And I thought, what the hell are they doing? And I'm embarrassed for them. Okay. And then I started working with this, by the way, when I first started teaching, I spent two years almost working exclusively with mindful eating. I had mentioned it. I was doing a general class. And then I said, look, you can use mindfulness for practical things. I know food. And I had a group of women shaking coming up to me and saying, we're in all these support groups that tell us about this, but no one tells us what to do. They just you know, support us. And so I then, out of that desire started teaching these groups. And one of the things, and this was maybe one of the key things mindfulness taught me, if you raise a a bite of food and you feel that desire to kind of reach for it and get in your mouth already, where do you feel that urge in your body? And I really started noticing this kind of urge to get, like sometimes the food wasn't in my mouth yet and I'm already planning to go back for more. Or how many people are designing your next bite while you're chewing the one you're in. And it really, mindfulness is what got me to really tune into not just the experience of eating food, but noticing the emotions that cause the drivenness and the internal talk that was screaming in my head and really going, oh my God, I didn't even realize that was in there until 
mindfulness can be, you know, I said it was like high definition, high resolution. Well, it can also be like a microscope. We don't know germs are there. We don't know that touching that is going to cause an infection, but we got microscopes to say, hey, there's these little organisms called germs. Well, in that same way, mindfulness was this microscope that helped me go down the superficial level of internal talk to really hear this programming of this screaming child or whatever that was going, oh no, I got to get quick, go back and get more before, you know, there was this, you know, anxious drivenness that I realized on the outside, the food was trying to soothe. And so with mindfulness, I was able, and when I talked about at the beginning, when I was doing my selling of mindfulness, you can tune into the components of our experience. I said that who you are. So the components in that moment, there was internal talk. I might've had images. I might've had memories of a last time eating the food. I may have had an emotional response, both of anxiety of eating and comfort. And so really tuning into all these different components with mindfulness helped me literally rewire my brain and my relationship to everything. In fact, the other big thing I will add, I did a, a six-week class because everyone said, no one will sign up for 12. And I said, we can't change your behavior in six weeks. But I did a six-week class in the second week. Maybe it was the first week. I said, I want you guys to know, when are you satisfied? What is satisfaction? We think we want pleasure, but we really want satisfaction. I learned this with mindfulness. So I said, okay, how do you know when you're satisfied? And not just with food. Are you satisfied that you painted that chair? Are you satisfied that you got stuff done today? What is satisfaction? How do you know when you're satisfied? And if I were to ask 100 people, I'd get 100 different answers. And the next week, one young woman came back and said, you know, I looked at my life and I realized I wasn't satisfied with my job, so I quit. And by the end of the program, she was starting a new job. She ended up then having a baby, working with a new job, and she permanently rewired her relationship to food just based on this tuning into, using sensory experience, mindfulness, using mindful awareness to tune into sensory experience to know when she was satisfied. She went, you know what? I was full. And I eat the, you know, the banana with the peanut butter actually gave me more satisfaction than the candy bar. Mm-hmm. I hear peace in there and establishing a relationship and a peaceful relationship with food, right? Instead of yeah. using it for reasons other than what it's there for. Yeah. Right? Like, are we abusing us or are we abusing the food? But either way, it's peaceful and it's it's a beautiful interaction. It's a, you know, you have people in your life you love. You have food in your life. You love. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. just part of this as I said, Disney movie we're walking through. Uh, But yeah, food is this beautiful contribution. And then you start, as you probably, since you have an autoimmune disorder and you're kind of forced to eat healthy, you're kind of forced to eat healthy before you're craving those foods, you know? Mm -hmm. And But what starts to happen, the more you eat foods that are good for you, the better your body feels. And guess what? You start craving the good foods. And now I look at food foods I used to crave and they make me cringe. I go, ooh, yeah, that, that doesn't 
that that kind of makes me a little nauseous to think about eating that. And now I look at the green things I eat, you know, I've become a Californian, you know, I'm not eating New York, New York bagels with cream cheese anymore. Yeah. But yeah, so it, it's a beautiful relationship to food, but peaceful is the part you tuned into. And that's probably the first, it, rightly so. And it's probably the first one that people start to get. Stephanie Nash, thank you so much for having this conversation with us. Like I said, I feel like we could go for hours, but I know yeah. that just what you gave our listeners is so helpful. And if you want to learn more about Stephanie, her programs, we're going to have all the links below. Um, Stephanie, if you want to give your website as well um, for people listening that don't want to click on the link. Um, sure. So my website, thank you. My website is strategic hyphen mindfulness.com so there's a hyphen between strategic and mindfulness.com and you can just go there and play there's some free free things there there's all sorts of courses and you could just putter around on there and have a good time and i'm also on the insight timer i do rooms on clubhouse there's a new app called wisdom i'm doing rooms on there or they're not rooms i don't know what they're called there uh, but yeah, so I'm out there and on Instagram, I'm putting these little one minute meditations, little one minute videos. And, and I've got a few on there for eating. And so you can just follow me and find things. And thank you. Thank you for inviting me on here again. I just thank you for offering this space for people to get information and support to increase their health and well-being. It's a, it's a, yay. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Stephanie. Well, we're honored to have you. We will again put all her links below. Stephanie Nash, thanks so much for joining us today. And we'll be right back on Well Seekers. Today's lifestyle demands the best in wireless. And with Pulse Cellular, you have the best options available. Switch to Pulse Cellular for unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data. Coast to coast with no contracts, no credit checks, and no overage fees. One line for $65 or four lines for just $45 each, including hotspot, Wi-Fi calling, and 50 gigs per line. And for all you travelers, we got you covered in Canada and Mexico. Plus, text and data in over 210 countries worldwide. All with the best phones or bring your own that's pretty awesome get the best user experience on mobile at pulsecellular.com thanks for being part of the seekerhood we couldn't do this without you now back to the show welcome back to well seekers thanks so much again to our guest stephanie nash for taking the time to be with us oh i feel like i could talk to stephanie for hours and I just wanted to dive so much deeper into her personal story. So we may have to do like a well seeker special where we really get in to people's personal stories because they're so fascinating. And again, when we talk about the keys to change, I, it's all of it. It's, it's not just this research and the techniques we talk about. It's learning from each other. It's giving space and giving a voice to people's stories and I don't know about you, but when I hear her story or when I hear someone else's personal story, it just, it touches me and it helps me move towards change in my own life. So thanks, Stephanie, for um, for sharing so much of your story with us and hopefully we'll have you back. I feel like Stephanie did 
if you listen to the show, I do something called Lucia's List at the end of every show that sort of offers really takeaways and techniques or tools or resources. I feel like Stephanie did my list um, with how she was um, explaining some of the tools and techniques for mindful eating. So because I didn't want to interrupt her, I'm just going to leave you with two little things um, that I want to mention. The first is guided meditations to help with mindfulness and eating. There are times when I'm struggling that, and there are so many good ones. You can hop online YouTube, Google mindfulness eating meditations, right? I'm going to link to Stephanie's, Stephanie's guided meditation on insight timer. So powerful, right? So however you find it, however you get to it, coming up with or finding a couple minutes to listen to this. I do it when I'm struggling to be mindful with food. I'll do it at the start of my day or I'll do it before dinner or after dinner so I don't go downstairs for a snack, right? So finding these pockets of time and places where you can do a, a two minute, a five minute, a 10 minute mindfulness meditation. Um, and again, we'll link to Stephanie's. So I just wanted to share that. The second thing is something that I do that's really quick. We talk a lot about body scanning or have talked a lot about body scanning to see like, am I hungry, right? I don't always think about doing that, nor do I have time. <laughs> so uh, one thing I do is I put my hand on my heart, my left hand on my heart, and I'm holding a microphone, so I'm not going to do it, and my right hand on my belly, and I ask myself, what do you need? So left hand on your heart, right hand on your belly, and ask yourself, what do you need? Sometimes I'm hungry and I need dinner. A lot of times it's like I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling sad or I need a hug or I need a phone call or I need a laugh, right? Laughing's my favorite thing if you know me. Um, or I need to go read a book or I need a hot shower or I need a run, right? I can't run that much anymore because of knee surgery, but uh, I need a Peloton. So that simple question has literally changed my life in so many different ways. I use it with food, but I use it a lot of the time when I'm just feeling anxiety as well. So left hand on your heart, right hand on your belly, and asking yourself, what do you need? I think you'd be surprised what comes up and what comes out when you do that. So that is my last tip that I'd love to add to Stephanie's so well put um, ideas that she gave you as well. From all of us here at Well Seekers, I want to thank our guests so far. I want to thank Stephanie Nash again for taking her time. And I want to thank you. We know that you have so many places that you could spend your time. And we are just truly so grateful that you choose to spend time with us and be a part of our family here at Well Seekers. We'll see you soon. How would you like to join the conversation? Email us anytime at hello at wellseekers.com.